Hey there, you're listening to Making Spaces, the podcast about community, culture, and making new connections, hosted by my good Judy, my friend and yours, Sarah Heath. On this podcast, we're having conversations about design, literally making spaces, and how some of the most inclusive spaces aren't always the most inviting. And we're talking about what it means to make space for one another. With the world the way it is right now, we need to find ways to have conversations across lines of radical difference. So join Sarah each week as she tackles the intersection of design and practical spirituality with conversations with some of the most fabulous guests you're ever going to meet. Some will talk about actual design. Some of us will talk about relational design. But no matter what, it's an incredible time. So grab yourself a cup of whatever you like, and welcome to Making Spaces with Sarah Heath. We live wholehearted is one of our core values. Um, So with that, it's seeing the whole person as a whole person, Mm. and that work and life are not separated. I think um, oftentimes when we are just like hustle, we, we get this language, like there's such power in our words. And when we are, Absolutely. are told yeah. either from a stage or even on our websites or whatever, that like that hustle and like um, kind of like, I don't know, this almost like this like boss culture type stuff that's happening yeah. in a lot of female yeah. like areas. I gotta say, I don't love the boss lady culture. And I, I try so hard to like be supportive of other women in um in leadership and other women in um doing their own deal but i gotta tell you the like boss lady um it just doesn't fit me and i don't know what it is and i think it is kind of that idea of like hustle or like have it all together with your like you the kids and look at your instagram and check me you know um Mm -hmm. so i really appreciate when it feels like uh that sort of um need to hustle or need to work for your worth is sort of removed Friends, I have never been a big fan of things being divided by gender. Even as a cisgender, heteronormative female, I've never felt comfortable in all female spaces. You wouldn't have caught me signing up for any sort of female conference. Until I attended a gathering of those who identify as female creatives and entrepreneurs. This week, I'm excited to share with you the woman who designed that space and curates the community that surrounds it. Joanna Waterfall, or Joe as we call her, is the founder of the Yellow Conference and the Yellow Collective, a gathering for creative, entrepreneurial-minded women to be equipped, inspired, and connected for the greater good. Hope you enjoy the conversation and stick around for the takeaway and the weekly inspiring quote. Joanna or Joe, um, she is a phenomenal female leader, but also um, doesn't just believe in sort of making uh, space for people as far as just the leaders that are directly around her or she leads. Um, she also runs something called the Yellow Collective, which sort of gathers uh, women in all levels of leadership or entrepreneurship um, to sort of help them in their journey of uh, doing good in the world. Um, and so she has been, how long have you been doing the Yellow uh, Collective conferences for? Um, the conferences have been going on since 2014. So like six years now. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And before, and when did the Yellow Collective start? Um, 2017 was kind of when we started like doing things outside of the conference as the collective. Oh, that is so incredible. And I actually met her through, um, we co-worked in a space together and a dear friend of mine, uh, was speaking at one of your, um, gatherings. And I usually, I'm going to, 
I'm going to admit it, here in front of um, maybe the three people that will have started listening to this podcast, but um, I don't love women's gatherings. Mm. Um, I have always, uh, yeah, like women ministry things, I think because I speak at them all the time, I just have never felt comfortable in a woman's like only space. And yet, um, my first year I got to come as a guest and my second year I paid to come because it was such an incredible experience. And when I tried to explain it to my friends, I said, you know, this is one of the only spaces where women have gathered that feels like there's not a lot of competition. It feels like I am um, gaining wisdom, insight, energy. So I'm really grateful for the way you've created that space. And I want to hear more about that story, but first, I have a question for you. What is your, and where is your favorite space? And this is like, you can say anything from your room, internationally, your home, literally anywhere. Where is your favorite space? What pops in your head first? Yeah. Um, what pops into my head first, like gut reaction is the beach. I love going to the beach by myself. I'm not talking about like I'm not really one. I'll get in the water every once in a while, but I'm kind of like more like sit on the sand with a blanket and a book and just have kind of some chill time. So the beach, but then specifically Big Sur, uh, there's a campground yep. called Kirk Creek Campground in Big Sur. And I just feel so free and at peace. And I just, I just love it. Overlooking the ocean, sitting on a cliff. It's like the best thing in the world. So I'm going to say that's my favorite space. Yeah. I tried to go there, but they don't take dogs. Oh, that's not cool. I know. And so for me, also one of my favorite spaces is the beach, but I bring my dog. My dog is a beach dog. And so it was one of those like, oh no, I, we drove all the way up to Big Sur and then um, him and I ended up staying in a really nice hotel. Oh, that's nice too. So cool that those spaces and places exist. So Mm -hmm. with that in mind, um, when you think about what you've created and the work that you've done, would you kind of give us a little bit of how you got to creating something like the Yellow Collective? Yeah. So I always tell people I created this space because I wanted to exist in a space like that. Um, Fair. Yep. I was running a graphic design company at the time. This was like 2013. And I came to this point where I'd hit a lot of the goals that I set out for myself and I was kind of searching for the next step. Where do I go from here? How do I build my business? Um, And I had found myself searching for space that encompassed creativity as well as social good and entrepreneurship tools and resources. um, just was experiencing, especially in female circles, as you as you um, kind of touched on a little bit, is a lot of competition, a lot of um, like, oh, does this person measure up to what I will allow into my circles? Is this person how large is their influence and their oh, following? Dear. And if it if it's large enough, I'll you know accept them. This is this is what I feel like I experienced. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I think most people can relate to that. Feeling. Yeah, and I just really don't like it. Um, and I don't think anybody does. But yeah, so I kind of was experiencing that. And I, through a series of events, kind of stumbled across women who were running businesses that were doing such good work in the world, and they were being creative 
in the process and just was really fortunate to meet some women that I feel like were just genuinely, they wanted to do good in the world and they saw the business as a venue to make that happen rather than I want to build this business and become rich and famous and, oh, I'll do some good. Um, And I was just really inspired by these women and just by their kind of wholehearted way of approaching work and their businesses. And I was literally in the shower one day and I was like, I want to hear from like genuine and authentic women like that. Like I just wanted to sit in the audience and hear their stories and hear why they did what they did, how they got to where they are and what their story was. Because as a young woman, I was looking for my next step and I wanted to really just have role models of people whose life I really wanted to emulate because I just feel like I just kept running into, it was just so rare for me to find somebody that I was like, ooh, that person, yes, I could right. I could live a life like that. And so when I did find them, I was like, I want to hear from you. I want like, let's get you a stage and like hear about your life and <laughs> your business. And so, um yeah, that was kind of how it how it started. And um, yeah, I had no experience in like event planning or anything. Event planning. And so Because <laughs> one of the things that's so fascinating to me about, um, and if you ever get a chance, friends, to go to the Yellow Collective Gathering, oh my gosh, every year um, the aesthetics of it are just lovely. Um, It feels like an experience um, from the moment you walk in the door. And it's hard to believe that you had zero event planning. I mean, you've had six experiences now, Um, more than that, because you've also been doing one in New York. Um, And you really do transform the space, not just like the aesthetic space, but something happens. And I'm wondering, did the first one you do, did the first time you tried to create space for female entrepreneurs or leaders, did it feel like it was hitting that that goal that you had of of sort of hearing people's stories, being inspired and inspiring others? Yeah, what a great question. I feel like, and thank you, by the way, for those kind words. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I think that it did. Um, And I think that's why I got so excited about it. The first year there was a little over a hundred people and I was just on cloud nine after the event. Dude, like how many of us starting something would be like a hundred people? I remember my first podcast, I was thinking like six people would listen to it. And when one of our editors was like, no, like 9,000 people have started listening. I was like, I don't even know how to comprehend that number. That is so, so amazing. Yeah. So the idea of like 100 people coming to something, also I'm really bad at counting people, but it would seem like, oh my gosh, this is this is working. Yeah, I. it's funny because looking back, I feel like I was so naive. I didn't even really doubt that I would get that those people like I feel like I'm more worried now like how are we gonna fill the room like than I was then then I was just like okay then we sell tickets and I was just I didn't even know what the problems were because I just had no experience whatsoever (laughs) but um yeah it was really cool and it just felt like such a special um special space really that was created and it was really made by the women who were drawn to the same kind of heart and mission that I had put out into the world. And and those women who came and who continue to come, women like you, are 
they're what make it so amazing because the I always say the best thing about yellow is the women who make it and it's just it's just so cool to see the women who are drawn to that same kind of heart and they're just the coolest women in the world so I mean, it's a really interesting experience to like go from. So when my friend was speaking at this event, my other friend and I uh, were invited and I knew you. So I was like, oh, I know the girl. She sat across from me who like put this whole thing together. She's incredible. Um, Again, a woman's conference. I don't know. Uh, And then my other friend was like, yeah, I don't really do women's conferences. And then we kind of had that whole like we're with one of the speakers like we don't really need to mix and mingle we stayed i stayed for the event (laughs) like after meeting people just at like from places and spaces that you had set up that really felt like they were intentional spaces for people to encounter one another and have conversation and you're right the speakers were great my friend did a great job but it was more about the journey and story of the people who were in that space. Um, why do you think, as you said, you wanted a space, as you're creating a space that you want to be in, and these women are sort of drawn to it, is there something about feeling um, a sense of like, oh, you you get me? How do you think that the, the feeling of competitiveness, because I think women um, often have been taught that we're in competition with each other um, because we exist in some similar spaces or you know, because they're so rare for us to be with other women in certain spaces that sometimes if a woman steps into that space, it becomes immediate competition. How do you feel like you took that out? Um, Because I think that's a huge, um, no matter whether you're running a women's event or whatever it might be, how do you get people to sort of step into the space where authentic and real conversations happen? Mm -hmm. Where we're not just like trying to network. How did, how do you think that happened? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. I feel like at the beginning, it kind of just happened because of the types of speakers and, and like language that we kind of put out in the marketing. But I think, I think it just happened organically at the beginning. But since I've kind of had to get more clear about like, what is Mm. it that this what is this thing which I think is hard for creatives it's been hard for myself (laughs) often because it's like we find things we just like do them and then someone's like how'd you do it and you're like I don't know I just like did but I think there's a lot of power that comes in naming things and getting clear about them Mm. so I appreciate this question um but one thing that um, I always make sure that we're going back to, whether it's like a speaker that we're choosing or a uh, like quote even that we're like putting on Instagram or um, a breakout session or a brand partner that we're partnering with is to really filter everything through our core values um, and who we are as as a brand and as people who make up that brand. Um, but just a few of those things that I think really help is um, just to know that we we live wholehearted is one of our core values. Um, so with that, it's seeing the whole person as a whole person mm. and that work and life are not separated. I think um, oftentimes when we are just like hustle, we, we get this language, like there's such power in our words. And when we are, Absolutely. are told yeah. either from a stage or even on our websites or whatever, that like that hustle and like um, kind of like 
I don't know, this almost like this like boss culture type stuff that's happening yeah. in a lot of female yeah. like areas. I got to say, I don't love the boss lady culture. And I I try so hard to like be supportive of other women in um, in leadership and other women in um, doing their own deal. But I got to tell you, the like boss lady um, it just doesn't fit me and I don't know what it is. And I think it is kind of that idea of like hustle or like have it all together with your like you have kids and look at your Instagram and check me, you know. Um, so I really appreciate when it feels like uh, that sort of um, need to hustle or need to work for your worth is sort of, you know, removed. It sounds like wholehearted to me sounds a little bit like, well, I'm sure you got the language from um, St. Brene Brown. Um, our patron saint of authenticity. Yes. Um, I call her my pastor, Pastor Brene. Yes, Pastor Brene. Um, And it's interesting because she has this amazing ability. You know, one of the things that we're really hoping to do with this show is to help people see like the diverse um, ways that we are, that we can find bridges between each other. So whether, um, you know, we live in a culture that really has created um, very, very like okay, we're bipartisan in all ways and shapes and forms. And someone like uh, Brene Brown comes in and says, boom, here's some authenticity. And it hits people on both sides. And I think that's an interesting pain point. And so I I love that you have this idea of like, we're going to be wholehearted in this. Um, And I'm sure uh, it's meant saying no to some folks uh, who either would be suggested for the stage or um, want to be a part, not a part, because I know that you guys invite all people to be a part, but um, are the, that idea of wholeheartedness, um, are you careful in quoting or what kind of language do you feel like really invites that into a space? Yeah, well, I think it kind of leads me to like another value of ours is um, we have an enough mindset. And oftentimes this was introduced to me through um, a woman who is like a mentor to me, but Oftentimes we hear either like having a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset. Um, But she kind of introduced to me, introduced me to this enough mindset. And I think that it's this idea of when you're coming from a place that I am enough just as I am without Mm -hmm. any, and this is, you know, an ideal, not that we all (laughs) like practice this all the time whatsoever, but the ideal would be, you know, I'm enough and the external validation doesn't define me. I'm not defined by what I do. So just because I've created this successful company, like that, that's not where I find my worth or just because I like, you know, have this huge influence or this huge following, that's not where my worth is defined, but rather I know I'm enough. And then it's an outpouring from there, like, because I'm enough now, because I know that now I want other people to experience that or I want to bring my gifts to the world out of this, like, I am enough type mindset. So I think that there is a, um, I think really, maybe I should get more clear on naming this, but I feel like there's just a gut reaction that I get either when a a speaker is pitching themselves through email, when it's just all really about the work that they've done and how successful they've been and just kind of naming all these credentials. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I always kind of am turned off by that because I'm like, that's not what this is about. We're talking about something more than just the work that you do. Like we don't, at Yellow, we don't define work as a career. We define it as how you find and create meaning in this world. So 
whether Ooh, I you're... I got goosebumps. Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. I remember you reading that from the stage one time. It's so good. Yeah, and that is so much... I mean, that includes then everybody, whether you're an entrepreneur or a pastor or a stay-at-home mom, because that's all meaningful work and that what we do on a day-to-day basis doesn't define us, but it is how we find our purpose and our meaning um, and how we express Mm. who we are. It's how we show it. It's how we express ourselves. So it is important, but um, it's not all about the, like credentials, you know, and I'm not saying those things don't matter. That's not at all what I'm saying. But when you're coming from a place of um, not hustling for your worth, but rather knowing you're enough, and that's the reason why you're doing what you're doing, or it's coming from that place, then um, I think that's something that you can really sense from somebody. Oh, it's so interesting. I, in doing like my own self inner work, I have noticed in spaces when I'm most uncomfortable, um, I lead with my credentials. Mm. Um, I want you to know that I can be in this space. And sometimes, a lot of times, those are like male-dominated spaces. And so as a woman, I feel like oftentimes um, I have to lead with, I have a master's degree from a prestigious school, and therefore I should be allowed into the space. I have served this kind of ministry, you know, all this sort of things that, um, and it's a really interesting gut check for me um, that says, oh, you are not comfortable. You don't feel safe in this space um, because you're leading with, I can outsmart you. And um, that's not my heart or my uh, actual self. And so it's been really fun, I think, for the last couple of years for me to notice those moments when I want to give my resume instead of giving my presence. Mm. Um, And so I love that idea of like, how do we make a space for everyone to feel like they don't have to kind of say, uh, here's all the things I've achieved. Um, Because I think women, we do that to gain our ability to have a voice sometimes at tables where our voices aren't going to be welcome unless we have um, almost more credentials even than men. We're going to take a brief break so that we can hear from our sponsors that make this podcast possible. Hey friends, are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for election day. I mean, you got to check if you're voted registered to vote at your current address because, I mean, more than 60% of eligible voters have never been asked to register, um, and headcount.org is working to change that. I checked mine recently, and guess what? It was not correct, so I needed to change it, and now it is correct. But sometimes these mistakes happen where you need to really check it out because, it could mess up your voting, and Lord knows this election is very important. Um, Headcount is a nonpartisan nonprofit that tours with musicians to help concert attendees register to vote. Sick. But you don't need to leave your house to register or get voting info. Just head to headcount.org. Headcount. Head to headcount. Head to headcount. Registered vote at headcount.org. I find it really interesting when I note my moments of feeling like I have to lead with 
my achievements, it usually means I'm in a space where I don't feel like I can be brave. Mm. Um, and so I, um, I love the idea that you look at people's credentials and you're like, great, awesome. But like, also, what are you, who are you? What, what makes you tick? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's, yeah, that's, I love that insight that you have about yourself. Um, that's really powerful to see and know. Um, yeah, I think that it's just, it's really about, I was just writing something, um, about this today. It's, somebody who also knows that um, it's about the process. The process is the point. This is something that keeps coming up for me. The process mm -hmm. is the point and how we always think that we're gonna, you know, once we hit this amount of revenue, then we're going to have <laughs> made it. Or once we get the, this amount of followers or this amount of whatever, you know, and again, I say all this, those things are not bad. Like it is good to have goals. No, and, they help us like yeah. make a living and we live, both of us live in Southern California. Yeah, exactly. That actually matters, unfortunately. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. But when you're also um, knowing that like it's the process of getting there and what are you learning in the midst of getting to that goal that you have, like that failure, maybe you totally botched it and you didn't hit that goal. That failure, like what did that teach you? Like that's the point. And um, I think that's also why goal setting and having these big dreams and big like desiring a life of purpose is also helpful in that way because it does have us stretch ourselves. And that's where we learn, that's where we grow because that's, that's not easy working towards these things and so uh -uh. anyways yeah being just valuing that process as well and being open and genuine about failures and just how it's part of it and um yeah i think that's been uh the first conference i went to uh i had this really weird um, experience of being so I speak uh, for a living, which sometimes makes me laugh. Um, like, who would pay me? Because I have like three accents that come out all the time, and also like sometimes the things I say, I think, hmm, people pay me money to speak. That's weird. Um, <laughs> but I have these uh, because I've been speaking for gosh, you know, since two thousand and five um, professionally. I I've had this experience of when I go to some of these things, I. I put on sometimes that like, um, and I've also coached um, speakers and preachers and that kind of stuff. So I'll go into these settings and I'll be like, hmm. And it was really interesting how the first one I went to, you had speakers that had done really cool things, but who weren't talented speakers. Mm -hmm. um, and not because they didn't have a great message and not because, but because they themselves are, that's not their deal. Mm -hmm. And I loved that you had not professional speakers because I think sometimes you go to these conferences and you hear from people who are just really talented communicators and for those out in the audience who are not really talented communicators there is that moment where they feel like well I'll never be able to get there but to hear someone who comes up on stage I remember one of the first times this girl got up and said I'm really nervous to be here and it was so interesting because I saw all the shoulders of the girls around me just drop like, oh, I get it. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I've been really afraid to be in these spaces. And I think sometimes when we see TED Talks all the time or we, we see this like professional level of, again, it maybe a spiel or a pitch. It's so fun that you guys kind of mix up who comes 
to these events because I think you do have professional speakers or people who are natural speakers and then folks who um, this might be the first time they've told their story and how powerful um, that is. Do you, do you guys do that with intention? Are you just looking at the story? Are you, um, yeah, tell me a little yeah. bit about that because I know that you're really trying to get a message across even by the way that people deliver their messages. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our second conference, we had um, – this pretty like, I mean, this is all like in a niche world and depends on where you're coming from. But in my world, a pretty like decently well-known um, speaker who was a very, very talented speaker, like to a T knew how to give a talk. It was all memorized. It was like, great. Um, and then we had another speaker that same year who very similar had maybe spoken at like a very small event once um but had Mm -hmm. never really spoken she hadn't spoken much and um what this was really the first time she's spoken in more than in front of more than like 30 people and um she wasn't like yeah she like you said she wasn't like the most talented speaker and so but her story was insanely powerful and she was so genuine in her delivery of it all. And so we got our surveys back and this is every year we do a survey where it's like, you know, tell us who your favorite speaker was and, you know, or rate it one to 10 or something, something where we can see, you know, who people really were drawn to and then who people weren't as much. And it was so funny because the person who had never really spoken before, she was by far the favorite speaker of everybody. And then Mm -hmm. the person who had really, like, I was excited because I was like, well, this is a big name person coming and speaking and they're very talented, like literally the lowest. And I, I remember I was like, whoa, that is a really powerful knowing about this community specifically. Cause I don't know if that would be the same in every community. Oh no, no. Yeah. When you go to a Ted talk, you're like, I want to see 17 minutes of right. glory. Yes. Like you're, yes. you're not looking for someone to get up there and be like, I lost my note cards. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. And I think even as a, someone who speaks in so many different settings, the setting really defines it as well. Totally. Right? Like I, I can be like jamming, feeling great about whatever. Um, and then you get into some event and you're like, I, you know, and for me, the first time I hit a stage, because usually I'm doing like more than one talk. The first one, I'm usually like, who are you? Who am I? What are we doing together here in this space? Like, that's the first 10 minutes of like, do you like me? It's like back to high school. Like there's that like ugh moment of are we OK? So I think everyone has those moments, right, to feel a little that way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I think that's interesting. So then you know, like, okay, this person who may not have, like, been invited to um, Toastmasters or TED Talk knocked it out of the park for people. Something about them resonated. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting now. This this was our second conference in 2015, and now this person is a professional speaker and has gotten a lot of help. And, like, now that's literally what she does, and she's, like – much um more like polished than she was Uh, but her story is still like you know the same has the same power so that's kind of like the ideal right somebody who really can communicate super well and you know can engage and has this powerful story but um but yeah I think that at least like with the yellow audience and with this our conference people really just they just want the real they want the realness and um 
And so, yeah, that, that, that getting that survey results back was like a real data point where I was like, okay, this really is very telling here. Yeah. Okay. So switching from the message that people are hearing, the other thing that I'm so curious about, and I think I, I might be guessing a little bit, it has to do with you being an actual graphic artist. Um, the spaces are always so intentional. Um, tell me a little bit about how, was that from the very start? Did you always have like really cool art that makes you think, or like a a space for you to like sit and meditate, like all the different spaces that you have around, was that from the very beginning or did that, did making those spaces develop over time? Yeah, I think that it's definitely molded and changed over time. And the venue that we are at also has a lot to do like with what we can work with. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've always like, like you mentioned, my background being in graphic design and branding, I previously to working on Yellow and starting Yellow, I had done a lot of work with um, different like workshops and kind of blog, um, you know, back when like blogs were like a thing and you had your blogger people that you followed, I would do I would help out and do um, like Photoshop tutoring for like workshops like that. And a lot of those workshops, they were small. There was like probably 20 to 30 people, but so much of about those workshops was like the feel of the space and almost mm. to a like too much, like a lot of what I experienced kind of in that blogger world was also why I started yellow. Cause it was very competitive and very like, you're not cool enough for, Oh, I cannot imagine. I cannot. Im- I mean, I, I have friends who that was their that was their bread and butter for a long time, uh-huh. and um, I don't. I, I find that I fit in best in the spaces where I'm naive. I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Um, and uh, a couple of my friends were really big in the blogging world, and they're like, oh, it was, it was. You know, you were trying to get the thing out on the other thing, and then does your thing look like someone else's? I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So. As- aesthetics were a very important part of that whole world which was cool um but kind of maybe like we're too cool kind of thing but anyways I say all this because I feel like I took a lot of that experience in that world with with me when I created yellow and I kind of was basing it off of other things that I had experienced and so and also I think working on a limited budget also kind of gives you this weird leg up where you have to get creative with the things that you're doing and you can end up creating something very new. Like our first year, our programs were not actual programs. They were like, we got a bunch of small mini clipboards and had papers kind of on this clipboard, but then we attached a pen to it and kind of had some paper in there for people to write because I couldn't afford to get everybody journals and I couldn't afford to like print an actual program, but I could afford these like cheapo clipboards and like printing some papers with the (laughs) schedule on it and stuff. But then I kind of was able to get creative. Like I made a pattern out of like, I just printed this pattern on a bunch of paper and then like stuck that on the clipboard. And, and so I think it's, it's always been a value of mine and how it, um, has come to life, has changed. Um, but I kind of always try to think of myself as an attendee and having these little touch points that are like speaking to people. Yeah. So like, and that's all stuff that you can do on a budget, right? Like 
like even like having a few years some years we've had like floor decals that like say something and it's inspirational and it almost feels like what can we speak to these people as they're coming in as they're feeling probably really nervous it's like a bunch of women you're automatically have your guard up how can we just provide them with language that's in front of them or design that's in front of them that can just let them see that oh we're all human here and we're all equals and I don't need to be have these big walls up and I can just kind of breathe a little bit. So that can come out in, in different ways, but that's, I always try to like put myself in that person's shoes and cause that's how I feel when I go to women's events, I'm always scared and I'm always oh like, gosh. who are yeah. these people? And am I cool enough? And, and if I just saw something that was like in one way, shape or form, like made me feel like, Hey, you are welcome here and you belong here and we're all in this together that would just put me at ease. So I just try to think through that experience from like walking in the door, walking into the conference as you're going about the two days and you're probably feeling tired and how can we give you a space to kind of rest where you can not talk to people for a minute and just what is that experience like as a conference attendee and then how we how can we cater to that person by making them feel at home and safe and welcome and like they belong. So one of the things that you've done out of this conference is you've built this sort of network of people um, in different areas. Uh, Was that always a goal or did it just come out of like people had an experience at a conference and went like, how do I get more? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely been um, people have, yeah, from the beginning said, how can I get more? How can I connect with these women on a more regular basis? And so that's always kind of been how like the the problem solve the the problem to solve how do we connect these women outside of this event how do we connect these women outside of the conference and get them connected on a more regular day-to-day type rhythm um but yeah it's it's really been because people have wanted to stay connected to the community because like i said at the beginning the women are just the coolest part about it and so these women want to stay connected to each other I, I love that. And I would agree. I also think your swag bag is incredible because it's all these incredible doing good in the world. Doing good is still really hard for me to say because it feels like bad English, but it is what everyone says. Um, <laughs> doing good in the world items. Um, and it is. It's a really neat feeling to feel like um, space has been made for you, that you're you're being hosted. Um, it, it is this lovely experience. So um, I am so grateful that people can just get like a taste uh, of what you're doing and I think it's amazing if you could give like one tangible way like in your opinion and it can be about this like whole thing that yellow has created for you um, how can people make space for others because you think about think about like young Joe realizing hey I need I need more people that can help me go to the next level but I want it to be a really open space what what could you say to people if they're looking for creating, not yellow necessarily, a yellow collective, but like what what was it and what do you feel like if there's one thing and it even can just be like decorative pillows, but what do you think in your opinion can help make space for others? Yeah, I think that whatever the space may be, whether you're like having friends over for some wine or having a larger event, um, whatever it may be, I think that putting yourself in the other person's shoes and um, 
allowing yourself to see through the other person's eyes um, Mm -hmm. and then and serving them through that lens is important. And I I think of like if you're having someone over for for drinks to your house. um, Yes, please. (laughs) <laughs> yes, let's make that happen. <laughs> um, just little things like what what type of questions are you going to ask when you're sitting around the table? Because it's really easy mm. to, I think, set up a space and then like go nowhere with your conversation. And I think what gets really powerful and makes people feel connected is asking good questions and having good conversation. Um, even if you need to like pull out, there's a cool, there's so many cool games these days that have like good questions to ask each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, getting deep, deep with the conversation and the questions that you're asking and, and just approaching that um, through, through the other person's eyes and seeing things through their perspective, I think is a great way to create space for people. Well, I think that is an incredible tip. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and the space that you create. I'm honored to be a part of this awesome podcasting space that you have created as well. And thank you so much for sharing your heart, not just with me, but with all the people that you encounter, because you really, in a beautiful way, make space for other people. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Joe, for chatting with me. And thank you so much, listeners, for listening. I'm grateful for the space that she is constantly making and curating for people to show up as their authentic selves. And during this time of sheltering in place, Joe has created online gatherings for people to continue to connect, receive and offer support, and be innovative in the ways that they're making space. She also has put all of her yellow conferences for right now available online. Our conversation left me asking, when I create a gathering, am I thinking through what it'll be like for the person experiencing the event or the person coming into the space? And what is one tangible way that I can look through the lens of the person I'm creating the space for? To learn more about Joanna and her amazing work, check her out on Instagram, Joanna Waterfall. You can also look for the Yellow Co. online at yellowco.co. And she's launching a brand new podcast with the creator of Cafe Gratitude, and our link is in the show notes. This week's inspiring quote is attributed to William Faulkner. Don't be a writer, be writing. That quote popped in my head as Jo told her story of needing to create a space that she herself wanted to participate in. Sometimes we don't know exactly what it is that we're making, but we should just go ahead, jump in and go for it, even if we don't know how it'll end up. Sometimes it's more about the process instead of about the title or or even the credentials that we have. Thanks for listening, and I can't wait to share more Space Makers with you next week. Stay safe. Making Spaces is edited by Stephen Burnett from The Cult Popcast. The introduction music is It Can Be Done by Ari via Epidemic Sound. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And leave us a review. It helps other listeners find us and let us know that we're on the right track.